0: The foundation of this series as we're walking through the book of Ruth together is relationship lessons. There's a number of different aspects we could possibly go, but we've decided to narrow it down talking about our relationships. Because if you've discovered family relationships are easy when everything is going right. When there's no problems and everyone is just doing what they're told, it is so easy. When all the bills are paid and all the kids are happy, when the dog is doing what's supposed to do and the cat's just ignoring you like it's supposed to do, it's easy. But what happens and how do we respond when things go wrong? How do we respond when things are not going the way they're supposed to go? And I'm just going to go a quick summary of what we talked about last week with the book of Ruth. The first five verses of the book of Ruth begin with some really scary and sad things. There's a famine taking place in Israel at this time, and this family is trying to provide for the family as a man named Elimelech, and he has a family with a wife named Naomi and two sons, and he says, I have to provide for them. And during this famine time, God, I believe, is using it as an opportunity to bring the nation of Israel back to himself and turn their worship off of themselves and back onto God. And this family goes and endures for a time. Because you see, when we go through hard times, we often just endure them, hoping that a better day will come. And then the other thing that took place with this family is they endured for a period of time and then they left God's promised land in Bethlehem and went over to the enemy nation of Moab. And when they went into Moab, Moab was, were not followers of God. And in a very real way, they were no longer trusting and following God. They said, we're going to try this other nation and see if this other God can take care of us. And some really horrible things happened. They replaced a famine for three funerals. Elimelech, he died. And then the boys grew up and they married Moabite women, which was against the law of God. They were not supposed to marry the outside nations. And then these two boys, really men, they died. And that brings us to the point of what do we do? We can either endure it or we can try to run away from trouble and try to escape trouble and go to another land or just try to avoid it completely and escape the trouble. Or the third is we can enlist it. Now it had to be an E because it's endure, escape, and then enlist. And enlist trouble comes down to God, what are you doing here? How can I let you work? How can I allow you to be God in this situation so that you can grow me and develop me? I can turn my worship off of myself and onto you, ultimately for the glory of God. And that leads us into what we're talking about today. The time period that this is taking place in the book of Ruth is about 1100 or so B.C. So over 3,000 years ago in ancient Israel, there was a time known as the time of the judges. And in the book of Judges, chapter number 21, verse 25, the Bible says, "...everyone did what was right in his own eyes." This was the proverbial wild, wild west of the day when everyone was a law to themselves and everyone was doing whatever they thought was the right thing to do. But if you noticed in our society, that doesn't work very well, does it? When everyone wants to do their own thing and make it good for them. Our principle today goes the total opposite. Of that verse we just read. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Our principle for today is true loyalty to Jesus Christ is a lifestyle not a destination. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every single day we're gonna get up and make a choice of how we're going to live. We have the choice to try to just endure trouble. We have the choice of trying to run away and escape trouble. Or we have the choice to turn back to loyalty to Jesus Christ and say, This is the way I'm going to live. I'm not going to live the roller coaster life of up and down and back and forth. I'm going to let God be God. There's some accounts in the Bible. As you read through the Bible, you'll be familiar with these accounts. I'm going to use some of the big, well-known names of of people who had huge visions given to them by God, and they had to change their lifestyle and change the way they were going to lead their family. People like Noah, who were told, go and build an ark. You imagine, talking about anti-cultural, he's the only guy in the entire world building a boat. He was the odd family. You imagine, <laughs> poor kids. Dad, you're so weird. And it was true. He was the only one that would be like that. And then you have people like Abraham, who's called by God. And God says, go to a land I will show you. You imagine that conversation. God's talked to him. Go to a land I will show you. And he goes back to his wife and says, um, I was talking to God today. And he says, we have to leave. Imagine that odd conversation. God had some big plans for them. He had Moses, where He took Moses and He takes him in, out of the wilderness and says, "Go from the wilderness back to Egypt and go talk to Pharaoh." And Moses says, but, "But but 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 I I stutter when I talk. I can't do this." And then you have people like the Apostle Paul, who was a, a strong man who knew the law and was very anti-Christian. Was persecuting the church, and Jesus comes along. and and says, ah, why are you persecuting me? And changes his life from a persecutor to become a preacher of the gospel. You see, being loyal is not a time as an individual choice you made one time. Being loyal is now a lifestyle of I'm going to allow God to enlist every trouble that comes to my life. I'm not going to just endure it on my own shoulders. I'm not going to try to run away on my own strength. I'm going to let God be God and I'm going to live loyal for him. You see, when we start off in that trouble, the total natural way of responding is I'm just going to endure this or I'm going to run away. That's totally normal, and it's totally natural. But you know what? We're not called to live normal, natural lives. We're called to live, as Christians, supernatural lives, not in our strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have people in the Bible, like Joseph, The Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. If you think your siblings are mean to you, just read the the account of Joseph in the book of Genesis and you'll discover some mean brothers as they sold their brother into slavery. But the end of the story... He became the second in charge of all of Egypt and really the world superpower of the day, saving his family and really saving the world from a worldwide famine. At the beginning versus the end was very, very different. Yet people like Jochebed, now you may think, who's Jochebed? Jochebed was Moses' mother. And Moses' mother at the time, to spare Moses' life, releases that child and says, I'm going to let him go and hide him in the bulrushes. Not knowing that one choice was going to open up the opportunity for Moses to be found by Pharaoh's daughter and be trained in the, in the, in the ways of the Egyptians and then eventually be the liberator of the Israelites. You have people like the disciples who were called out of obscurity, out of their jobs. And Jesus calls them along and certain ones of them are fishermen. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They had no idea within a few years' time. In the book of Acts, it describes them as people that had turned the world upside down. Your loyalty decisions that we make in times of uncertainty and times of trouble set us off in a lifestyle that's not just a one-time I've made a choice. Now we get to live life differently as a result. And we're going to use the example of Naomi and Ruth this morning. And we're going to seek to make some application. I'm going to go through this account very quickly because I realize at the end we have flowers for the mums and we have donuts for the mums, And if they're nice, they may share them, but they're for the mums first. And we also have a a place outside to take photos with your mom after she's eaten the donut. Make sure you take the photo so it's all over her face. But here's the key. When we become loyal, we're not just loyal because that's the right thing to do. And we're in church right now, so that's the right answer. We become loyal to a cause or to a purpose. And you think in your life, is my life purposeful do i have a cause that i'm called to live for and i do believe and i'll propose to you that every single one of us has a cause and has a purpose and that purpose and cause it has a name jesus christ and if we have jesus christ in our lives the holy spirit working in us and through us life is very different as a result we have a question at what point will you become loyal to your Commitment. When it will go beyond just head to saying, I'm now going to move forward in action. We have missionaries that we support, the Panero family in Vanuatu. The Panero family in Vanuatu right now are on an island off to the far east of the island chain in Vanuatu, an island called Ambrim. They've taken a little plane, and Jeremy Panero was saying, This airline is not known for its safety you think to yourself, well, how cheap do the tickets have to be before I will no longer go on that airline? Then they went to an island called Ambram. And Ambram, if you look at the photo, that's actually a photo of the island. The middle of it is a volcano. That is a stereotypical South Pacific island. And in 2018, it last erupted. And so it's, it's plenty of time. It's fine. It's not going to erupt at all. That smoke coming out of the top is just clouds. They're there with the Bible translators right now, helping to work with some of the local local churches and local tribes to translate the Bible into their heart language. And they're doing that right now. And you look at that and you think, well, that's a good cause. But at what point does it change your life? Now, we as a local church, we financially support Jeremy and Liz Pinero um, quite heavily, which is I'm, I'm proud to support them. And as we come alongside them as, as a family, I want you to recognize you see those pictures and think of the people in the island of Ambram that you had a part in that. And here's the key phrase. We're part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. And you know what's wonderful about that is that we're talking about mothers today and, and motherhood. You look around and you think, mothers, you're part of something bigger and greater than yourself. You may not see the end because today you're living in nappies. But you recognize that you're part of something bigger. And you're going to not just impact this generation, but you have the potential to impact future generations for the cause of Christ. Our principle, once again, is true loyalty to Jesus Christ is a lifestyle, not a destination. I'm going to show a quick video from Jeremy, just giving us a greeting. Hey, this is Jeremy Panera in Vanuatu, Um, really excited, we're back in Vanuatu right now at uh, Luganville Baptist Church, Um, Pastor Ishmael is just about to preach the word, and uh, he's doing an incredible job here. Uh, In September 2021, uh, we left for Australia, and uh, and pretty much we've been sort of gone back and forth a few times, but um, uh, Pastor Ishmael has been overseeing that ministry since then, so I want to just take you in here and just have a look at what God's been doing uh, since we've been gone. You're part of something bigger and greater than yourself going back to the book of ruth the circumstances in the ruth chapter number one is naomi has been left her husband's died her sons have died and now she's in a foreign land and she is with her daughter-in-law what is she going to do and it says in ruth chapter number one verse five so the woman was left without her two sons and her husband so you have these three ladies their names are naomi Orpah and Ruth. And she begins to prepare to go back home, back to Bethlehem, where her family was and her heritage was when she had been known. She'd been away for over 10 years, and now she's on her way to return. And the scripture goes on through those verses, after verse 6 and verse 7 and 8, and you can see the conflict in Naomi's mind. She begins to make this journey with her daughters-in-law, and then says to herself, But you know what? If I bring these girls back, everyone's going to know all my problems and then I'm going to have to tell the truth. That's literally what's taking place. You can see what's taking place in her mind. Everyone's going to know our sin. We ran away and then we didn't serve God. We broke the law of God by bringing these other people into our family that weren't supposed to be brought in. And she comes up with the idea that she's going to send them home. She's going to send these two ladies, Ruth and Orpah, back to their families, back to their fathers and mothers, so that someday they can get remarried to someone else. And she can return to Bethlehem as if nothing happened. And she can just share with everyone how God has hurt her so much. She wanted to be the victim here. It goes on in verses 13 through 15, and she says, when the lady and the two ladies, Orpah and Ruth, said, No, we want to go with you. She begins to argue with them and says, No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother in law, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister in law has gone back to the people and to Her gods. That's a key phrase. She's gone back to her people and back to her gods. Return after your sister in law. Orpah was convinced to return after initially wanting to go back with Naomi. But why didn't Ruth go back? I believe, and there's some some indication in chapter number 2, verse number 12, that she had already placed her trust upon the God of the Bible, Jehovah God. She was now a follower of God, and she didn't want to go back to her old, old lifestyle and old worship. There's two things we see here. Your life may be filled with trials and hurt and disappointment, but there's two points that we're going to cover this morning. First of all, is obstacles to loyalty, and the second is loyalty to your commitment. So, the first of all, the obstacles, which we're going to lay out a foundation here relatively quickly, but I think even though we're looking at a lady named Ruth and the obstacles to her loyalty, I think there's some application that we can make in our lives, even 3,000 years later. We can acknowledge that whenever we make a commitment to do what is right, whenever we make a commitment to be loyal to the things of God and to Jesus Christ, there will be obstacles. Have you noticed that? Any time that you say that you're going to step up and do what is right, you will find there's opposition, there's obstacles. And it comes from inside and also from outside. It begins with, for for Ruth herself, it began with her heritage. Seemingly, everything was against Ruth. Her heritage was not a godly heritage. She was an incredible woman, which we'll look at in future weeks as well. But initially, she was a lady who was a Moabite. The Moabites had a the family background. They were the enemies of the Israelites. They were the enemy of these people. They worshipped a God named Chimos. And the Chimos, their worship was demonic and evil. There was child sacrifice involved in that. It was nothing even similar to the things of worshipping God. And Chemosh, as their worship would have developed and and changed their entire culture and the way that they view things, they wouldn't be saying things like praise God or thank God. They'd be saying things like praise Chemosh and they'd be praying to him. And we see here a total change in culture. So she had a heritage that was absolutely wrong. She was born in the wrong place. And maybe that's what you think. I was born in the wrong country and that's why you migrated here. And also in your circumstances. Your circumstances were not ideal. I have no doubt when Ruth and Orpah were brought into Elimelech's family and, the, and they're married, the, the sons, and they had the big celebration, they didn't make their marriage vows. And I'm a marriage celebrant, and I have performed a number of weddings. And the conducting of weddings, you sit down with a couple, and I am yet to find a couple that, that sits there and goes, you know what, we'll try it for as long as it lasts, you know or you know what i'll just give it a this marriage thing a whirl for a while no they you make a commitment and and i sat with young couples especially the young ones and their eyes are all glassy and they have no idea what the future holds for them (laughs) they make these vows and they say oh we just we're just in love and you can imagine the circumstances for ruth were not ideal at all because the patriarch Elimelech, he goes and dies and then her husband has to go up and he has to die too. And now you think this is every girl's little girl's dream. I wanted to be a widow as a 20 year old. What am I going to do? It'd be so easy to just endure it or to escape. But God was working in Ruth's life. The natural way of thinking is that God was obviously against them. What kind of God would treat these young women like this? But that's not the way that God was working. And even within Ruth's support network, it was not encouraging because the support network was Orpah, who eventually went back. And then you have Naomi, the mother-in-law. And I believe, and I'm not anti-mother-in-law, because I have a wonderful mother-in-law. You can tell my wife that I said that, okay? I have a wonderful mother-in-law. But at this time... Naomi, she was a bitter old lady. And I don't see anything within her characteristics that is written there that says that she was loving and kind. Obviously, there was some, some, some connection there with the family, and they loved her. But what we actually see at this particular circumstance and this particular time with their support network it says in, in Ruth chapter number one, verses eight and nine, it says, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. She's telling them, God bless you, but go home. Now I'm gonna be a little bit strong here for a moment. There was absolutely no hope and no salvation in Moab. That was Chemosh. That was the false god. And she was praying for them and saying, God, deal kindly with you as you go back. And I'm going to be strong here. She's saying, go to hell. Go away and go serve the false gods. And it goes on. And and her support network, Ruth's support network, was totally gone. And then Ruth is with a lady who's describing herself as bitter. Two times does she describe herself as bitter. She says, God has dealt bitterly with me, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to wear it, and I'm now going to change my name. The name Naomi actually means pleasant. So if you know someone named Naomi, you can say your name means pleasant. And hopefully they live up to the name. And you imagine them returning back to Bethlehem together, these two ladies, and they begin to look and recognize, hey, you're Naomi. She goes, don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, as it says in verses 20 and 21. And it says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which literally means bitter. I'm now going to live what I feel. And I want everyone to know that my name is bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, which is not true. She was running away. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She was, her attitude was, I'm bitter and I want everyone to know about it. This is the time of the judges. I don't believe that God was doing this just because he goes, hmm, I'm going to mess with his family and hurt them. During this time of the judges, we're going to step back from that story and look at the story of the, of the judges. The previous book of the Bible was literally called Judges. And during that time period, the nation of Israel was doing what they thought was right, and they were going back and forth from serving God to not serving God, from serving God to not serving God. And God was using the surrounding nations to bring the nation of Israel back into repentance because God had a big picture plan for them. He had a plan and a purpose, and they were being called to loyalty to God, and they were back and forth and back and forth. And we see that exactly with Naomi and her family. Ruth, in Ruth chapter number 1, verse 14. He comes back. She's been told to go away. I'm bitter now. And she says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother, but Ruth clung to her. There was a change of heart that took place in Ruth at that time. This was a life Changing and really for her eternity-changing decision that she was making at this time, she was giving the cell in a sense of "Don't follow me! I'm bitter. There's nothing for you here. You're going to be a a widow for the rest of your life if you follow me." And you can see some obstacles to her loyalty. There's this obstacle of her heritage the obstacle of her circumstances, the obstacle of her support network were all collapsed around her. But yet she remained loyal to a commitment that she had made. And that's our second point this morning. We have obstacles to loyalty and then loyalty to your commitment. In verses 16 and 17 of this passage, we see some beautiful statements. And you see Ruth being very vulnerable here and making some commitments in her life that were based upon her loyalty, I believe, to God, first and foremost, and secondly, to her family. It says in Ruth 16 and 17, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave or to return from following you. And I want you to look at the I and the my and the me statements here. The I, the my, and the me. It says, for where you go, I will go where you lodge. I will lodge your people shall be my people. And here's a key. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die. There. I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death departs me from you. How do you argue with that? Bitter, Naomi goes, well, I guess you better follow me then. And they return back to Bethlehem. The great unknown in front of them. They are making a choice at this time that was going to change their lives forever. You see, our loyalty to commitment We have lots of things, and and we often think, what's my cause? What's my purpose? We can narrow it down to the words of Jesus very, very simply. The practicals of how it looks in your life will be unique to you, but there's two foundational things we see. We see them in Matthew chapter number 22. We'll read verses 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You may be questioning, what is my purpose? What's my cause? We can summarize it in two very simple statements. And this is not being dismissive because it's simple and it rolls off our tongue easily. This is a lifetime of of work and a lifetime of loyalty behind these two statements. First of all, love God is the first one. Love God. Loving God is doing what God wants you to do. It's quite literally letting God be God in your life. It says there, love. The Lord your God, with all your heart, with your soul, and with your mind, completely. And that is a change of mind saying, I'm going to now, I'm going to do what it is that you want me to do. I'm going to commit to loyalty to my heart, my soul, and my mind, in every aspect of my life to put you first. Now that was so easy to say. That's really easy very difficult there's a constant battle of loyalty going on in our lives we go on and that's where ruth says in verse 16 your god will be my god she's making a commitment to say i'm going to now be a follower of jehovah god and it goes on there and we see the first is love god the second is love others and it says that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that was really easy to say. And maybe you have great neighbors and you think practically, but we can think of everyone is our neighbor and there's people that really annoy us. And maybe even on the way here this morning, on a nice quiet Sunday morning, you were having a hard time loving your neighbors in the car on the way here. And you think in the practical way is this doesn't mean that everything is sunny and easy all the time. But what it does, it changes our mind. Because if we start off with the foundation of love the Lord your God, so in every aspect of our life we're loving God, the next part of loving others becomes a natural outworking of that. And it quite literally is to love who God loves. To narrow that down, I believe that's everybody. And Ruth says, your people shall be my people. God was working in the life of Naomi and Ruth. And in future weeks, we're going to be walking through this and seeing some relationship lessons that we can learn from this, this account. In chapter number two next week, talking about working hard and, and the fact that relationships are hard work. But you know, as we continue going, and I'll give you a little Spoiler. The end of the story is a wonderful love story. God was already working in the life of a man named Boaz. In chapter number two, we meet Boaz. And Boaz just happens to be single and happens to be rich. God brings in the right place at the right time. And of course, God has it all orchestrated. Ruth and Boaz get married, and eventually they have a son together. And then Ruth actually becomes the great grandmother of king david some lady that's born in the wrong heritage the wrong circumstances with no support network becomes the great grandmother of the king of israel and eventually if you look down the lineage in the book of matthew she is in the heritage and lineage of jesus christ himself you know it's amazing that wasn't the only time that god used the wrong lady at the wrong time to do something amazing In your bulletin, I have these listed out. There's five ladies listed in Jesus' genealogy, his lineage in the book of Matthew, chapter number one. And you know what we see? Four of those ladies have very, I'll say, questionable backgrounds. We have Tamar, who committed incest with her father-in-law. And then you have Rahab, who was not just from Jericho as in the enemy. She was also a prostitute. You have Ruth, of course, who was an outcast. She was a Gentile. She was a Moabite lady. You have Bathsheba, who was an adulteress. And these are the people that are listed in the heritage. And I believe we see that and we can recognize that when we have a loyalty and a commitment to the things of God, God blesses in ways. When we don't see the beginning, he sees the end. as far as some application goes in the book of titus chapter number three i want you to think about the big picture what does god see how does he see the big picture and how do we fit into that titus chapter number three verses four through eight says but when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. The goal is loyalty to Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart that God sees the beginning from the end. And we may be in the starting point of your relationship with God when you're making some loyalty decisions and commitments and you don't see the end. All you see is the trouble in the middle. And all you see is all the reasons why it cannot work. But when we are loyal to the things of God, God blesses and God works in ways that we could never orchestrate ourselves. The loyalty to Jesus Christ will change all aspects of your life. Your relationship and your family relationship with teenagers, it will change the relationships that you have in your school and in your friend relationships, in your husband or wives, it will change the way we work with honesty and integrity. Ruth had no idea what the future would hold. She just knew that she was going to commit to loyalty. All because... And here's a phrase for you, and I want you to memorize this Okay, homework for you, because you are part of something bigger and greater than just yourselves. Our principle, once again, is true loyalty to Jesus Christ is a lifestyle, not a destination. We've been given two commands by Jesus Christ, love God and love others. I'm going to finish with this phrase, and I want you to mull this over in your mind as we prepare ourselves to, to pray, and then we'll sing a final song. And before you're out, you'll be eating your donuts in just a moment. But here's the key. How do you think that God wants you to respond? Do you think he wants you to respond in loyalty? Or do you think he wants you to endure or escape? Or do you think he wants you to enlist what he's called you to do through this time of trouble so that you can be a part of his big picture plan?